No. No. He, he put you up to it. That's the only reason you're doing it. He told you to do that, for sure. No, thank you guys so much. I love having the opportunity to be able to speak and share uh, what is going on in my life, as well as this amazing story we get to look at today. Um, one of my favorite passages. I love this story, and it is going to be so much fun as we dive into it. But before we do, um, this past week, me and my wife uh, celebrated our one-year anniversary. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, her name is Nikki, and she's sitting right in the front right there looking beautiful. Exactly. Thank you. Um, so we celebrated our one-year anniversary, and that's why you have seen um, Mike and Jada lead worship for the past two weekends. So first, I want to thank them so much. Let's give it up for Mike and Jada for leading so well. Yes. Um, it's, it was great. We went and we visited Yosemite, uh, went to Santa Cruz, went to Fresno. Yep, we did. Uh, Madeira. Uh, yes, we did. You don't know where that is. It's okay. Uh, they have better tacos in San Diego. I said it. Um, so we went to all of these awesome places, and it was so much fun. Went up to Yosemite and hiked a ton, and I wanted to share this picture. This is me and Nikki in Yosemite. All right. Um, if you notice, we're wearing matching sweatshirts because, yes, we're that couple. Uh, <laughs> we went hiking, and for about 12 and a half miles, we were wearing those sweatshirts, and people looked at my sweatshirt and looked at Nikki's sweatshirt. Then look at mine, look at hers, look at mine, look at hers, then look at my face. And be like, you know the little head turn, like really? We're like, yes, yeah we are. And I'm, I'm sweating like a dog, but you know what, it's cute. So I'm gonna keep going. Um, so we, we wore those, it was super fun, we had a great time. We stayed at an Airbnb, and if you don't know what an Airbnb is, it's a, a website or an app where people put up their, their homes or uh, maybe their condos or just a room and you can rent it for a said period of time. And so that's what we did in Airbnb, and we just rented a room because it's a little more affordable than an entire house, and I do what I call a balling on a budget, like Dave Ramsey tells us to. So, <laughs> so what we did, we just got a room, and in that room there is not a bed and breakfast, it is like living with a roommate, you're like, hey, guess what, cool, you're still breathing, all right, talk to you later, and you leave. And it was, I expected it to be beautiful, right? Because I have this thing uh, about my comfort zone where this is my comfort zone when I'm on vacation. You ready? <laughs> Notice there's silence. Did you hear that? One more time for all the parents in the room that haven't heard that for years. <laughs> Here we go. You're welcome. That was for free. That was 30 seconds that I can't preach now, you know? Great. I loved the silence. I was so ready for it. I was like, all right, Nikki, we're going to go on this vacation. We're going to have a great time, and uh, I'm just going to talk to you. And guess what? We're staying at the Airbnb. They're going to be like, hey, guess what? Here's some keys. Cool. Move on. So I thought. Then the awkwardness began to start. Now, we drive up. The host is standing outside in his overalls, <laughs> which... Some people wear overalls, nothing wrong with that. You know, I guess. Uh, so he's wearing his overalls, standing outside, no words, points to where he wants us to park. Hey, so far, I'm chilling, this is great. No words exchanged, this is great. True story, I just got a haircut, I go to the same barber because he doesn't talk at all. <laughs> yes, he just goes. All right, so I walk up, no words, I'm like, this is gonna be an awesome stay, great. We get out of the car, grabbing our bags, would you like to try steamed bun? I made it last night. I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> this is when I knew. Now, mind you, I love hospitality, and this, this guy for sure had the gift of hospitality, and it was amazing. 
but it wasn't a bed and breakfast. You, you feel me, right? It just wasn't quite. So, okay, the, the steamed bun. All right, perfect. So we're going to have the steamed bun. Okay. I guess. Let's, can we put our, put our stuff down? Try the steamed bun. I made it last night. Okay. So we're at this little bar in their kitchen. Nikki's right here. I'm right here. And both hosts are right here at the same place. Watching us, not eating with us, watching us eat our steamed bun. We remember where my comfort zone is in the silence. When people are sitting right there, I'm like, well, I got to do something because I don't want to feel awkward on vacation. So we start eating, and I'm like, oh, this is good. I don't know what I'll say. I'm just meeting you. And um, they go, oh, well, we had a person staying here last night. Good thing we didn't feed it to them because they're allergic to peanuts, and they would have died. <laughs> good thing I'm not allergic to peanuts. You could have, like... Ask me for some allergies or anything. No. So we ate, and we're like, okay, maybe uh, let's just go outside. You know, again, great hospitality, awesome. You know, really enjoyed it. We go outside. This house was right on the lake. You walked into the backyard, and there was just lake. It was beautiful. It was so nice, and we relaxed, and we're out there, and then mangoes come out. <laughs> I like a mango. Sure. I mean, cut up to perfection. I didn't know how he did it. I'm not a chef, but he was like, <laughs> so we get the mangoes, we eat the mangoes, and the umbrellas start to move because they're moving the umbrellas to make sure that we don't get too much sun. Nikki was trying to get a tan like I am, and uh, that just, they moved the umbrella over her. Then they brought out a, a boom box, and they were like, Marcus, do you know what Bluetooth is? I said, yeah, <laughs> I do. And he stood there and waited for me to connect to the Bluetooth. I was like, all right. And very purposefully, I don't listen to music loud at all. So I put the music on, the reggae music, because it gets you, you know, just chilling, vibing a little bit, really quiet. He sits down, wants to have a conversation. You did give us mangoes, okay, let's try to go somewhere with this, and then it kept going. Proceeds to get up, starts to bring more things out, starts to put on the jacuzzi, which is great. I love all of this. This is awesome. Great hospitality. Everything is great. And then he starts to bring out pool toys. <laughs> exactly. We don't have any kids. It's just me and my wife in the backyard on the lake, and pool toys are coming out. <laughs> hey, I, I, don't, I don't know if I need that, but thanks. Um, so, and then we're like, okay, maybe we need to uh, leave from here and just go to Fresno right? Uh, so we did. We're like, hey, we're going to leave. We're going to come back. And he goes, are you guys leaving? Uh, yeah, we'll be back. Though. He goes, hmm. <laughs> Have you ever seen a grown man pout? <laughs> he did. He pouted. And I was like, oh, well, I was going to make you lunch. He's like, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. But I'm going to go take her to Fresno. She's never been. I know. It's our anniversary. And we're going to Fresno. Uh, let's... <laughs> When you live in San Diego, you do what you can afford, right? Okay, so went to Fresno, and then we um, got these amazing sandwiches from this place called Jimmy John's. Exactly, exactly. Jimmy John's is amazing. It is not Subway um, because it's not just bread. This place is bread, mayonnaise, cheese, lettuce, everything you want. I literally walked in, and I said, I want a sandwich like my mama would make it. She said, yes. 
and just started making some. I was like, sure, okay, she must know my mom. Um, so <laughs> made the sandwich. It was amazing. We got extra large sandwiches because it's on your anniversary or vacation, and no pounds count, no calories count at that time. So we walk into the house. We leave from Fresno, walk into the house with our Jimmy John's bags that are oversized and way too much, a bit gluttonous. And we walk in. One of the hosts comes up says, do you guys have dinner? Yep. This white bag is not my luggage. This is a Jimmy John's sandwich that we don't have a Jimmy John's close to us in San Diego, so we're going to consume these and feel guilty. All right? And he goes, oh, well, I made ribs and rice. <laughs> Nothing wrong with ribs and rice, right? But I know if we had the ribs and rice, we would have had to have the conversation, and my comfort zone is what? Silence. Yes. So we said, no, we're just going to go and, and you know, uh, just eat this. So we go into the room, close the door. Can I tell you the best thing about the room when we walked in? Their living room, let's say, was here. Our bedroom was right there. So every time you open the door, they were looking into the bedroom. <laughs> I mean, th they had a TV here, but you couldn't tell. Or they were really quick with their eyes, like, oh, door's open, you know? So every t you had to use the restroom. I mean, it was like, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. okay, yeah. It's very, very awkward for me. And I, I did love the hospitality. I'm, I'm, it was awesome, but it was a bit awkward. So then the night comes, and I... Um, we're ready. We're like, all right, we're going to go to bed. We get a text at 7 o'clock in the morning. Breakfast is ready. <laughs> I do like food. I don't know if you can tell. I do. So I said, okay, we'll be out in just a little bit. Marcus and Nikki, your breakfast is ready. <laughs> the night before, we were supposed to have ribs and rice. So what was breakfast? Ribs and rice. <laughs> ribs and rice. If you've never had ribs and rice for breakfast, you don't need to. It tastes like it's, you're eating at the wrong time of day. <laughs> but we ate the ribs and rice. Honestly, all in all, these, these hosts were just over the top at loving on people and giving them hospitality. But I just wanted my comfort zone for my vacation. And they kept going and helping and helping and helping. And I learned a little bit about myself that I don't take help very well. My mom just said, oh, really? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> um, I, I don't, and here's what I'll do. I will say yes and help people out to the point of exhaustion. I will say, yes, what do you need? You need this, you need that, perfect. I remember when I first got into ministry, I was saying yes to so many things. I was the janitor, the worship pastor, the youth pastor, and as well as I would speak sometime, and I worked at the, the Madeira Rescue Mission. Yeah. Well, how, what is, yeah, but I was burnt out, you know? I, was like, I don't know. I don't know how to do anything. And I'd be like, okay, perfect. Yeah, I'm going to meet with you this day. I'm going to do that this day. And they're like, Marcus, that's the same day. Yep, I'm going to figure it out. Same place at the same time. I'll make it happen. I'm not that good at allowing people to help me because when I, even when I'm, you know, at the end of my rope, people will be like, hey, um, can I help you? Oh, no, no, I'm totally fine. Because I don't want to inconvenience you with me. But what do you need from me? Because I can do that. Right, your pride will begin to puff you up a little bit and make you think that you can really do something. And I start to think of the words of Jesus, and I've, I'm beginning to think the older that I get that he maybe had some wisdom, possibly. <laughs> Just maybe. 
And he said these words, blessed is the poor in spirit, for they will receive the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit is this understanding that you're spiritually bankrupt, you have nothing to give in every need possible. In the message, it says it like this, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope with less of you, there is more of God and his rule. If you've ever been at the end of your rope, you know exactly what that feels like. It's often hard to describe. Maybe some of us in this room are there. And I promise you, there's an opportunity for God to move and come in and make a work. But we have to get to this point where we understand that God himself is relentless in coming and chasing after us so he can work in our lives. He offers us this invitation. And at times we often ignore it because we've got it ourselves. Oh, no, I don't want to inconvenience God. This is what he does. It's like when people come up to me, hey, Marcus, you know, I think we can get together and just, I got some stuff going on in my life. I know you're busy. No, that's what I do. This is, this is fun. We do that to God often. Hey, God, um, I know you're trying to help me, but, you know, there's, there's other things going on. That God cares about us that much that since the beginning of time, he has been lavishing his love on us. Rick Warren says it this way. One of the pastors at Saddleback Church says, God's love is like an ocean. You can see its beginning, but you can't see its end. And that's something that stuck with me over the years. Because that's truly what his love is like. We can't see the beginning, or we can see the beginning, but we can't see the end because it's like it's always, always there. And if you're like me, we can have a difficulty not just trusting other people to help us, but also trusting God to help us and allowing him to work in our lives. This is the question we get to answer today. As we turn in our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5, we get to see, has he truly been offering this invitation since the beginning of time. And Paul says it like this, everything was written in the past to teach us so that through the endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might find hope. When I was in the worst times of my life, I needed nothing more than hope. A few years ago, I went through a really difficult time in my life and experienced some type of loss and many of you in this very room were there for me. And even in that moment, it was still hard for me to receive help. And sometimes it was just a text message or a hug or a smile. Every once in a while, maybe a, a verse. Or the people that just walked up and said, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. Or the people that truly opened up their house, hey, if you're going to be alone, don't be. And maybe I haven't said it. I want to say it to the people in this room because you brought me out of one of the darkest times of my life. And I want to say thank you for your help. Thank you. And if I didn't trust God to work through you, I would have missed out on what he was working out. So if you would turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5, 1 through 8. We're going to be looking at this story of a man named Naaman. And this is one of my favorite stories. Naaman was a commander of the army of Aram and and he is in this area, and he's been battling with Israel. And they've had these battles go on and off, and they're in this um, place of a really delicate peace. You know, like siblings? Okay, stop touching me. I stopped. Okay, I'm, I'm not touching you. If you touch me, though, you know what's going to happen. That's where, that's where Israel and Aram are at, at this time. 
And he is the commander of the armies. He's a really highly regarded person, and he would tell people what to do. He has won battles. He has told people where to go. People listen to his voice. But he had an issue that I think many of us may be able to relate with. 2 Kings 5, 1 through 8, if you would turn with me. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Just in one verse. But he had leprosy. It's amazing when we start to equate our worth to the things that we do and as people know us by, rather than the very thing that's crippling us. Let's go in verse 2. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Just in that, in that verse, we see a woman who was taken captive look at the captor's wife and say, yes, you took me captive, but I believe God wants to set you free. I think you're starting to see why this is one of my favorite passages. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl of Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Mind you, they've been in this delicate peace, and now there is a letter coming from the other land to tell that king that they have already defeated, I need you to fix something for us. I know we like took people and uh, we're winning, but I need you to do something for us. And now you see why Naaman's response in verse 7. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send me someone to me, to be cured of his leprosy. See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? Then comes Elisha. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Let's pause there before we go on. This beautiful passage is how we're going to do our best to answer this question, how can we learn to trust God to work in our lives? First thing within the first verse, we understand that there is a seat for all of us in the kingdom of God. Naaman was a commander of the army of Syria. Naaman was not an Israelite. Naaman was not God's chosen people. But God had still chosen him. We are not Israelites in this room, and if you are, kudos to you. But God has still chosen us. Now, growing up how I did, being who I am, there were many tables that I was not welcome to. Sometimes because of my race and where I lived, sometimes because of my age and who I was and who I hung out with. The fact that I went to church and still lived a struggling life, I wasn't allowed to be present at certain tables. In fact, this 
church exists, this room, this building, every single one of us in this room exists because in our community, we have people that feel as if they don't have a seat at the table in the kingdom of God. God's grace has been stretched out for the insider as well as the outsider, those beyond the walls, since the beginning of time. That's why we can read in 2 Kings in the Old Testament and see how God is still welcoming us no matter what we look like or what we have. So even when it comes to the fact of rejection, Naaman had leprosy. So those who knew would keep their distance. Because if he was truly found out, he would have been cast out. Because you can't have a sickness and hang out with us fixed people. That is not this church. That is not our church. We are all broken just like you. And we have a God who heals us every single time. So no matter what you are dealing with, I believe Mother Teresa said it best, the biggest disease today is not leprosy, but rather the feeling of being unwanted. If you have ever felt unwanted, it's like nothing else. Why would anyone want to talk to me? Why would anyone want to be around me? I wish I had friends. I wish that people would understand instead of assuming. I wish that people would give me a chance. I just need one chance. That was Naaman. But even in that understanding of leprosy versus being unwanted, we have to understand that there is a need that we have that is an enduring need for God that nothing else can fill. A valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Repeat after me. But he had leprosy. One more time. Everybody has a butt. Yes. Some are bigger than others, but his butt was leprosy. All of us have something that is a contradiction of what we really are. We are God's chosen people, but I, Marcus Witherspoon, still make mistakes every day. We are loved by God, but I still struggle with understanding that. What is yours? Where are we at in this? Leprosy was a disease, but what is your dis-ease? What stops the ease in your life? What begins that inner monologue? What is that thing that you would not share with anybody? that even in your most vulnerable moment, you would never share. I think we might begin to think that possibly could be our leprosy. That thing that we don't want to talk about, the thing that sickens us, the thing we're not proud of. I mean, it can be physical, it can be mental, it can be spiritual, it can be emotional, whatever it is. We can fight with the idea that we feel unwanted, but we can also fight with the need to be needed. What is ours today? What is your leprosy? Just the other day, uh, last couple weeks ago, I went to my yearly checkup with my doctor, which is free and covered by your care provider each year, which is super fun. Went to my yearly checkup, I walked in, and my doctor is a straight shooter. Walked in, he said, Marcus, you overweight? I said, yes, I'm American. And uh, <laughs> we proceeded to move on. And I said, America, this is how it is. Let's do it. 
and he let me know we we're going to do some blood tests. We we're going to do some different things. All right, perfect. This is going to be great. Let's go forward. All right, Marcus, lose weight. Yeah, I know. They've been telling me that for 15 years. I'm good. Uh, so let's keep moving forward. Let's go. We do the blood test, and then um, the doctors now have this app where they can share with you everything that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And it gives you notifications when they find out what's wrong with you. So you can be in the middle of a conversation, and hey, yeah, so boop, boop. Oh, that's what I have. Okay. So for about four days, I was getting those notifications. Super fun. And it started out with uh, just some things that were hereditary that my parents had passed down, which is always fun when you get those. (laughs) (laughs) And then there were some things um, that are just things that I have to deal with. And those areas that can be hard for me to let God come in. In fact, one of those things is something that I've dealt with for years. There's, there's some type of intestinal and stomach issue um, that is extremely painful and that has no cure. And when the doctor finally said, yeah, that's what it is, and I was like, again, I went home from work and laid on the bed and just began to cry because it changes everything. And then Nikki came home and she's like, what's going on? And I shared with her and she's like, well, we don't know fully, like, it's everything. And I just started to break. Because God again. And then he continually has to remind me because I'm thick-headed. I've got this. You have it, but I got it. So what is yours? Maybe it's that tape you hear consistently in your head. Maybe it's that relationship that you refuse to mend. Maybe it's that forgiveness that you refuse to give. What is your leprosy, the thing that is stopping you from being healed? The thing that we have to give up, but only God can heal. The thing that at times we're like, all right, God, I don't need this anymore. Go ahead and take it. Take it. You got to try to take it at least. Come on. Come on, God. Take it. And he's like, no, no, open hands. Open hands. Okay, here, God. And then let it go and leave it. That's what we find in this story. And I love how it's not just, okay, what is the leprosy in my life? But also we see in the story, we see Naaman listening to a voice that is a bit unexpected. This girl is a young girl from Israel that served Naaman's wife, and she speaks up and tells the commander of the army what to do. (laughs) Uh, No, you're a low level. I'm a CEO. You do not tell me what to do. Maybe in today's terms, I dare you to listen to a millennial. (laughs) Yep, I said it. Because just maybe God has spoken something into them that we have refused to listen to. Millennials, Gen Z, Gen A, all the next generation, I would encourage you to listen to a Gen X or baby boomer because just maybe they have some wisdom that can stop you from making the same mistakes they made. Unexpected voices. Where's that unexpected voice? Because we can often dismiss the very voices God is trying to speak through us with. 
you know, when your kid comes up to you and, and is trying to tell you what God spoke to them while they were in their own service? And you're like, oh, cool, you drew a cross. And like, no, this is God's sacrifice for us. He did it for me, Mom. I need that reminder. We had a men's breakfast in here a few weeks ago, and I was sitting right in that area. We had some tables set up. We had a ton of games, and the cool thing about our men's breakfast, how we do it at New Break, is we invite all ages. So I was at a table, of course, with some teenagers, because they're awesome, and an eight-year-old. Pastor Danny sets up the question. He says, how do you deal with the things you struggle with? Which is a really lighthearted question, right? It's like, well, this is men's breakfast. We're not supposed to get real in here. Come on. I was like, all right. I said, well, uh, I do my best to stay away. And uh, when I deal with anger and frustration, I try to bottle it all up and I don't share my emotions. I'm the only one in this room, right? No one else is like that. I know, I know. You're all much healthier. Uh, so this eight-year-old looks at me and says, Pastor Marcus, did you know when you share your emotions, you'll feel better and because other people know how they can help you? What? <laughs> Unexpected voice. Stop it. <laughs> Unexpected voices. God will open our eyes and our ears to hear things that we would otherwise dismiss. That's why life groups are so important. Get in a life group. Surround yourself with people that are like you and unlike you so they can lead you and walk you through situations in your life. It's just like family. That's why family is messy because we're not all the same. You ever been to a big family gathering and you're like, oh, here comes uncle, you know. <laughs> yeah, there comes uncle, you know, and he needs Jesus too. That's how life group is. We're all a family. We come into the room, we walk in and we share and we talk and we share our hearts. And we share the things we're dealing with. And you have someone who is on the other side that says, I've, I've been through a similar situation and here's what I did. And if we can all do each other a favor, no matter what type of situation you have been through yourself, do your best not to look at the other person in the eyes and say, I know how that feels. Because you don't. Because you're not them. We all process differently. We all go through different things. But you can look at them and say, that sounds really, really tough. First, what do you need? That's a brilliant question to ask. What do you need? And say, can I pray for you? Little things like that unexpected voices they'll show up maybe it's the baptism coming up august 9th it's an unexpected voice you've heard your kid or you've heard some teenagers you've heard pastor mike and pastor danny share it from the platform you've heard v talk about it in life groups but i just don't know if i'm supposed to i even feel like god's called me to okay pastor mike pastor danny v your kids are all asking about it i just i haven't heard god's voice me either but I've heard him speak through people. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's serving on one of our teams. Maybe it's jumping in, yes, with Gen Z, Gen A, millennials, whatever it may be, and hearing from them what they're going through so you can share with them what you've gone through and how God has been consistent all the way through it. Maybe it's jumping in one of our kids' teams and doing the same. Maybe it's serving on our hospitality team and making coffee. I know it sounds like a minimal task, but when someone walks in, up to a church and they see coffee on the outside and someone ready to pour a cup of coffee for them, they're going to realize this is one of the first times they've walked to a church and they weren't asked for anything. They were given something. Unexpected voices. 
you can be a part of that. And I love when we get to. One of the most unexpected voices that I can think of is God himself through our prayers. Because we like to pray to check off the box. God, thank you so much. You're so good. God, we love you. Amen. Man, I tap prayed twice today. Okay. I would encourage you to pray like this. God, thank you. Show up today. And speak to me in many different ways. And open my ears and my heart and my eyes to see it. Let us continue this conversation throughout the day. Amen. I would encourage you to start like that. Give space for him to talk. Prayer is the only conversation that we think we tell him everything. You ever had a conversation with someone like that? They walk up, hey, guess what? All right, see you later. Whoa. What just happened? Don't treat God the same way. There's an amazing book by Mark Batterson. It's called The Whisper. And if, you, if you're taking notes, please write that down. It's called The Whisper. It, it is an amazing life group. Um, we've done life groups with that. It's an amazing book. Um, he writes some other great books about praying circles around your children, the circle maker. It is all about prayer. And every time you read it, you're like, oh, I can do better. But this quote stuck out to me. Learning to hear the voice of God is a solution to a thousand problems and the key to discovering our destiny and our potential. The solution to a thousand problems. I've got a few problems. And if I can start with prayer and his word, I think I'll do all right. I met a young man in this room a few months back. He was sitting right in those front chairs. And he had experienced a really difficult situation. And I walked up, and he was in tears. And I sat next to him. I said, hey, how are you doing? And he shared with me what was going on and got his name and gave him my name, exchanged numbers. He had just graduated uh, high school, going into college, and what's next, right? And experiencing difficulty in his life. And I said, hey, we should get together sometime. Let's just talk. All right. So we had a vibe night, uh, just like we're having on Tuesday. We had one where we got a bunch of uh, students together, and we just hang out at the beach. So we did. Brought us football. We played some football, and then we started talking. And he just poured out his heart. He said, this is where I've been. This is where I want to go. I don't know how to get there. Okay. So we talked. Met up again a little later and talked. He accepted Jesus into his heart, and we didn't stop talking. We kept talking. And just on Friday, we were at his house as we celebrated him getting baptized. He's, that's Jacob right in the middle. Let's give it up for Jacob. He, his grandfather's in the room, and to see his grandfather's face when his grandson went into the water and came out was truly life-changing. Steve, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Now, we celebrated with Jacob a life-changing moment. And I believe Jacob is teaching me something, and that's the understanding that grace is truly free. Because I don't like to think that anything is free. Because I live in San Diego. There's no way. 
everything costs money. It should cost me something. Naaman grabs all the gold and the horses and the chariots, and he's like, all right, if I'm going to get cleansed and healed and everything, I'm sure it's going to cost me something, right? That's how we go into life. Uh, a few months ago, we had some uh, chocolates that were donated to the church, and we just went around and wanted to go bless different schools in different areas, and um, Kamar and her outreach team, they do a lot of work within the community and on the school campuses, and our students team, of course, we have campus clubs on all of our campuses here, and so we walked over to Far Middle School, and the day that we had lined up to be there and just say thank you to them, they had just experienced a tragedy at the school, and we almost stopped, like, do we go through with what we had planned or not? Because how do you bring something to say thank you when you're going through such a difficult time? So it felt like God was like, hey, go for it. So we did. We walked in <laughs> with chocolates and said, hey, we simply just want to say thank you for everything that you guys do. Our students go here, and many of them are able to come to the church. And if I can be brutally honest, there's some students that aren't able to come to church, so the only church they get is their campus club. And so we get to see them, and you guys are a life-changing aspect of their lives. To teachers and faculty, this is just for you guys, not for the students. They're like, oh, okay, um, what, where do we sign up? No, this is not a sign-up. Okay, how much is this going to cost? Nothing. You're a school, I know. It's not, you don't have much. No, okay, but we just, we don't know if we can be on the ship. It's not a shipping thing. It's cool. We're simply New Break Church, and they're like, oh, yeah, we love New Break. Okay, cool. And because it lined up so perfectly, they didn't understand the grace, but they understood that people wanted to help. We talked about the thing, the thing that had happened at the school of tragedy, and they said, yeah, we just don't know what to do. And it was like in an instant. We said, well, we can open up the church. And they were like, okay. In this room, right where you're sitting, was filled with families and faculty that were affected by what happened at the school. And V and a few of the other pastors here, we simply walked around and prayed with them. It changed their idea about this grace thing. It's free. Open hands. Free gift. We always want something free, unless you're at the mall and it's a perfume spray. We don't want that. <laughs> it's a free gift. But we have to be careful with this free gift that we're not misinterpreting what God is doing. You'll notice the king's response He's like, oh, so you're trying to pick a fight? That's what's happening? And you start tearing his clothes off. No one do that, please. Keep all of them on. But Elisha says, hey, why? I, I expect Elisha to be super calm. He's like, hey, why'd you do that, man? Come on, let's hang out. And he says with them, no, I, I'm going to show you this awesome thing that is going to happen. And maybe your misinterpreting is not like this. Maybe your misinterpreting is why does God let bad things happen to good people? God, why did you take them from me? God, why does it have to be this way? God answers prayers three ways. Yes, no, and not yet. And every single one of them is frustrating. <laughs> Don't misinterpret what he's doing. I want to finish by reading the rest of the story in 2 Kings 5, 9 through 14. This is where we get to see how amazing the transformation truly can be. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he surely would come out 
and stand and call on the name of the Lord, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Don't we love when we try to tell God how to answer our prayers? God, no, I need you to fix this, but not that way. Here's how I want you to do it. Here's what you're going to do, God. I know you're new to this. Um, you're, he's God. He's God and he's got it. In verse 12, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned off and went in a rage. Aren't the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? That's where he's from. Isn't my place better? Isn't San Diego better than anywhere else? Isn't this better? Isn't my house better? Isn't this current job that I have better than what you're calling me to do, God? Because I'm going to start at the lower level there. Why do I need to move and have to witness to people again? Isn't this water better? In verse 13, Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went, he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. How many times? Seven. As a man of God told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Now, I work with teens. Clean like that of a young boy. I'm like, hey, God, you could have used different wording there. Clean like that of a young boy. This is a young man who took a shower, didn't just turn the water on and close the door and make you think he took one. He actually got into the shower and bathed. This is, he was cleansed fully. And the only way it happened was because Naaman was finally open to God's ways and his timing. He went away angry, but he followed through. And there's times in our lives when we have that. God, why are you... Okay, God. And just do it, and watch what happens. Isaiah 60, 22. Isaiah 60, 22. Isaiah 60, 22. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. It's a reminder that I need every single day. Isaiah 60, 22. When the time is right, I, the Lord, will make it happen. My timing and God's timing are two totally different things. Mine is right and his is wrong. No. I think that way, though. When the time is right, I, the Lord, will make it happen. It's being open to his timing, but also being willing to submit being willing to lay it down and say, okay, God, <sighs> you can have it. So what's the area of your life that you're having difficulty submitting? The ushers are going to come forward and we're going to receive communion, receive the elements. And as we receive them, I want you just to sit and contemplate and hold the elements until the end. We'll take them all together. God, where am I not submitting? It's that thing that comes to the forefront of your mind that we try not to think about. God, where am I not submitting? Let's take a few moments and just think about that question. Change.
change me like only you can. I'm here with my heart in your hands. So Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus. This world is dying to know who you are. You've shown us the way to your heart. So Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus. Oh Lord, change me like only you can. I'm here with my heart in your hands. So Father, dying to know who you are. You've shown us the way to your heart. So Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus. Every time we get the opportunity to take communion, I can't help but think of what it would have been like to sit across the table from Jesus himself and take communion, like the disciples had the opportunity to do. To look at the sacrifice before the sacrifice was made. And somewhat having this understanding that this is representing him I can imagine the disciples wanting to look into the eyes of Jesus and say thank you before he even did what he was going to do. This is what changes us. This is what separates us from the life that we no longer live. If you hold up the bread, it's broken in different shapes. It represents, of course, the body of Christ. It's also similar to us because it's not perfect. And God himself would send a perfect sacrifice to heal a broken people. So, Father, we thank you for that sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your son and that on the cross, once and for all, he proved to all of us that we're worth it and that we're loved, and that no matter what we hold and what we have or what we've gone through, we can be cleansed and healed through you. So Lord, we thank you. Let's take the, the bread together. At the end of this passage, he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. That same expression that Naaman had to walk through what we walk through every time we take this. It's a representation of the thing that makes us clean. This crimson stained cup washes us white as snow. It doesn't make sense, but it doesn't have to. God is smarter than us. 
He takes us as we are and then changes us forever. I can imagine as Naaman dipped himself the first time, he would look up at his servants and say, did anything change? Nothing. Again, did anything change? Again, did anything change? Hold up to the sixth time. Are you kidding me? And ready to give up. Saying, well, he said seven. And that seventh time is what separated his path from his destiny. So if we would hold the cups together. God, we thank you that with this cup that represents your blood that poured out for us on the cross, we thank you that this very cup cleanses us and that you, through your word and your sacrifice, make us whole. Lord, we ask right now that you would begin to move only like you can and change us like only you can so that our hearts would be restored, whole, and healed. Amen. Let's take the cup together. We looked at the question, how we trust God with allowing him to work in our lives. So what's keeping you from letting go? We have these tags on this wall in the back that says, I'm trusting God too. I would encourage you to take one today. They're right in the back on that wall. Write down what you're trusting God to do, just like Naaman did, even with your frustration. And allow him to work as he does. Place it on the wall. And then when God shows up, as he often does and always does, I would encourage you to take that off the wall, put it in your Bible, let it be your bookmark to remind you he did it before. He for sure can do it again. So it's keeping you from letting go. And where do we go from here? This was the first step. Understanding that, okay, I have a trust issue. But God, help us. Let's pray. God, teach us how to love as you love and also to be led by you and be okay with it. God, teach us how to submit. Lord, we need help. And God, teach us how to simply allow you to help us and change us. Lord, we need you like never before. And we ask God that you would be with all of us and teach us like only you can. In your name we all pray, amen.